This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you today by Del Monte Tomato Products. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Memento from Adelaide. I first saw them standing on the sidewalk outside my tambourine. Two men, one tall and thin with a puckered mouth that looked like it had been eating sour apples, the other short and fat, fidgeting with a briefcase and pointing to the numbers that marked the address of my cafe. They stood outside for a moment, jabbering to each other, and I guess they made up their minds because they came into my place, the fat one in the lead. A few seconds later, the fat one opened the conversation. You, sir, your name, sir, is Rocky Jordan. As expected. My card, sir. Jay Lampo of the PIC, the Pyramid Insurance Company, Home Offices, Alexandria. Huh? Insurance of all sorts, fire, theft, life, health, group annuities, fidelity, and surety bonds, etc. My associate here... My card, H. Manchek, similarly of the PIC, agent for the Cairo district. We are in business for your protection. Well, thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate that, but I'm not in the market for any insurance. My briefcase... Mm. Uh, uh, now the papers. Shall I interrogate, or do you wish to mancheck? Whichever you prefer. Look, why don't you start, Lampo, and mancheck and fill in the gaps? Huh? But make it fast. i got a lot to do. We all have, Mr. Jordan. I shall proceed. You could, if requested, secure affidavits from reliable persons attesting you are Rocky Jordan, as you say, and no other. I could. Since I am no other, there must be a point to all this. The Rocky Jordan we have in mind owned an establishment called the Café Tambourine, even as this café is called. Now, this café previously had been located in two other large world cities. Name the city. Istanbul and San Francisco. Mm. My warm? This Rocky Jordan we have in mind is not native to Egypt. He is an immigrant from another country. Name the country. How about the United States? In what city of this same United States was this Rocky Jordan born? Ah... Uh, I'll try St. Louis. Mr. Lampo, this is indeed the man. Our exhaustive investigations the last few weeks prove it to me and to me. Mr. Jordan, I shall leave these release from claim papers with you. After you have studied them to your complete satisfaction, please to sign them. And then? 
H. Manchek shall return this evening to pick up the signed papers and deliver to you a check. Payment in full, $40,000. $40,000 in American money, Mr. Jordan. PIC shall then be relieved of its obligation to you. Well, $40,000 is a nice obligation, fellas, but... The Pyramid Insurance Company prefers always to pay claims against it as rapidly as possible. In this case, there was unavoidable delay because you presented no formal claim. Since, however, you are beneficiary, the money is rightly yours. Look, fellas, I don't like to be a wet blanket, but there must be some mistake. There is no mistake, Mr. Jordan, rest assured. We have investigated thoroughly. PIC owes you $40,000. Ever since the death a year ago of Mrs. Adelaide Foss, Jordan, your wife. Lampo and Manchek walked out of the tambourine and left me standing there with my mouth open. I figured they were phonies, a couple of loonies working Cairo for laughs. But the insurance papers in my hand looked real enough. So I put in a quick call to the Cairo office of the Pyramid Insurance Company to check. It turned out that Lampo and Manchek did work there, but I still wasn't convinced. So I put in a call to Captain Sabaya, Cairo police, to have a few words with him. Captain Sabaya speaking. Uh, Sam is Rocky. Good afternoon, Jordan. If you have a moment, I'd like to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Proceed. What do you know about the Pyramid Insurance Company? Why do you ask? Oh, curiosity, Sam. I uh, want to know if they're reliable. Absolutely. I have even taken out a policy with them myself. Uh, all right. Thanks, Sam. Oh, uh, Sam. Yes? Does the name Adelaide Foss mean anything to you? Adelaide Foss? Ah. Uh. No, no, it does not. All right. Thanks, Sam. See you later. Pyramid Insurance Company was legit, all right. Jay Lampo and H. Manchek worked for it. If they said I had $40,000 coming, I had. And if they said I had a wife, I guess I had that, too. Even though the name Adelaide Foss meant nothing to me. Adelaide Foss. Things began to stir in my mind. I moved out of my office over to the bar to have a talk with my bartender, Chris. Oh, Chris. Wait a minute, will you? Is it, Rock? Yeah, what do you know about the name Adelaide Foss? Adelaide? Adelaide Foss. Well, you know her, Rock. She used to work here. Work here? Yeah, about a year ago. Just for a couple of days. Waited on tables, and then she quit. Oh, yeah. I remember now. Sort of a small, skinny girl with a lot on her mind. How do you remember so well? I dated her a couple of times. Sometimes you don't forget the girls you date. You know what happened to her? She died. Not long after she left here. How? Oh. Accident. She was hit by a car. Why do you bring it up, Rock? Oh, I just had a visit from a couple of insurance representatives. Seems she had an insurance policy. Insurance policy? Yeah, with me as beneficiary. See, she's got it marked that I'm her husband. Why would she do a thing like that, Chris? I don't know, Rock. Seems a little funny, doesn't it? The day my barely no dies, a year goes by... Her life insurance policy turns up, and I'm $40,000 richer. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, all right. I'd sort of like to know why. Any ideas where I could look for some answers? Why don't you leave it alone, Rock? What do you mean? Well, she's dead. Let it rest. What do you suggest I do? Just sign these papers and collect the $40,000? It's all legit, isn't it? Seems to be. Look, let it lay, Rock. I think it'd be better that way all the way around. Sign the papers, collect the money. It's coming to you. And forget the whole thing. Maybe you're right, Chris. Maybe I'll just do that. That all, Rocky? Yeah. Well, I'll get back to these glasses, then. 
Oh, uh, Rocky, I've got a doctor appointment this afternoon. Only time he could take me. You mind if I knock off for an hour? No, not at all. Oh, thanks. I'll leave in a few minutes, but I'll be back before the evening rush. Well, it didn't take a mind reader to figure that Chris knew more than he was saying. So when he left a few minutes later, I tailed him. First, he went to the Pyramid Insurance Company. Then he caught a cab and rode down to the Elmox Bazaar in Old Cairo. He wound his way through it and went in a tent under a crooked sign that said, Astrology, Prince Rico, the Divine. I waited up the street in front of a coffee and tobacco shop. The lady who ran it must have taken a correspondence course in high-pressure selling. Dear Fendi wishes to purchase from my fine shop fine articles of coffee and tobacco. No, the best selection in all Egypt. Observe the fine coffee from Java and Brazil. Very nice. Observe the unexcelled selection of the aromatic She kept up her jabber and every once in a while tugged at my sleeve. I but I kept my eye on the tent of Prince Rico, the divine. Later, Chris came out again and started to leave the bazaar. But he never made it. The next thing I knew, Chris was rolling in the ground. There was a lot of reaction from the people in the crowd at the bazaar. Ah, let me through. Come on, come on, let me through. Do not push. Do not push, Fendi. I wish to see the happenings even as you. I saw it all. Yeah? I saw all that happened. This man had just stepped out of Prince Rico's tent. He started up the Sharia when all of us... All right, let me get a look at him. He is a friend of yours, Fendi? Oh, too sad. The bullet seems to have entered the head. Uh, he's still alive. Call an ambulance, will you? He most certainly attend. Then call Captain Sabaya, the Cairo police. Tell him what happened. I will, Effendi. I will do that most promptly. Rico! Which one of you is Prince Rico? Oh, sir, none of us is Prince Rico. No, indeed, these eyes of mine saw Prince Rico in his purple robe leave the bazaar. Fast? Very fast, Effendi, with the speed of the falcon on the wing. Upon my word, Effendi, Prince Rico the Divine is truly gone. <laughs> Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. The secret is out. Yes, friends, the secret is out. The secret of Del Monte catsup's marvelous flavor. Let me tell it, Larry. Del Monte catsup is made with pineapple vinegar. Pineapple vinegar. In fact, Del Monte has been using pineapple vinegar for some time now. That's the reason you like Del Monte catsup so much. Everybody does. Catsup experts say the finer the vinegar, the better the catsup flavor. And Del Monte catsup made with pineapple vinegar certainly proves their point. It isn't that you taste the vinegar. It's the way pineapple vinegar brings out the very best in the other ingredients. Coaxes all the full, rich flavor from those plump, handsome, vine-ripened tomatoes Del Monte uses. Yes. Pineapple vinegar gives Del Monte catsup flavor an extra lift. Lots more pep. And remember, it's made by Del Monte. No other catsup has it. So if you haven't already tried Del Monte catsup, you'll want to get some right away. Look for it at your grocer. You'll be surprised at its price. For all its goodness, it's lower than many other quality brands. <laughs> And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Memento from Adelaide. In a little while, the ambulance showed and Chris was carted off to a Cairo hospital. He was in pretty bad shape. A few minutes later, Captain Sabai and his men showed. 
The crowd was still milling about on the bazaar, and it seemed that they all wanted to get into the act. I saw it, Captain Orr. I that saw, happened. I saw no. even more than he uh, yes. questioned me. I requested Captain Sabaya question me about yes, the happening. Yes, he will was... lie, Captain. I wish to be questioned first so that my picture will be in the newspaper. Silence! I... Silence, all of you! I... Now... All of you who claim to have pertinent facts shall be questioned in due time. Captain of the police, sir. Hmm? Uh, it would be most kind of you if you would allow the newspapers to say that the man was shot in front of my coffee and tobacco shop. Even though this uh, was not so, the publicity would be the most... Yes, later, uh, later, later. Uh, Come, Jordan, let us walk away from the crowd. You are the one I wish to question. Right, Sam. Someday, Jordan, I shall learn your secret. What secret's that? How you manage always to be in close proximity of serious trouble. <laughs> this is far enough. All right, Jordan, proceed with what you know of this. There's not much to tell, Sam. There's always much to tell in a case of violence. What were you and Chris doing here at the bazaar? Well, we weren't together. Chris came to talk to Prince Rico. Remember when I called you checking on the Pyramid Insurance Company? Yes. I also asked if you knew anything about a girl named Adelaide Foss. Yes, I remember. She died a year ago in an auto accident. Today, the Pyramid Insurance Company turned up with a life insurance policy for $40,000, with me as beneficiary. Continue. Well, the strange thing about it, Sam, is that she had me marked down as her husband, and I barely knew her. When I mentioned it to Chris, he got worried and came over to have a conversation with Prince Rico. Continue. That's all there is. That's all there is indeed. Jordan, a man is shot on the streets of Cairo. A woman leaves a life insurance policy to a man she barely knows. The man who was shot is connected with both with the dead woman and the man to whom she has left the money, and you say that's all there is. All right, check with Pyramid. Talk to Lampo and Manchek. They're the ones that came to me with that screwy policy. I shall talk to Mr. Lampo and Mr. Manchek and Prince Rico. If you can find him. Then I shall talk to Chris when he is well enough to speak. If he is well enough to speak. Well, at any rate, Jordan, I suggest you keep yourself available for further questions. There is an atmosphere about this entire case that is completely bewildering. Well, it was evening when I left Sam, and I headed straight for the hospital to talk to Chris, but the doctor said no. I left my number, and he said he'd call me at the tambourine when Chris was in shape to have visitors. I left the hospital and started to call another cab, and I caught a flash of purple robe coming toward the hospital. It figured to be Prince Rico, and I wanted some words with him. But that's when he saw me and started to run. I moved out after him. He started down a dark side street, but his robes didn't make it easy for running. Twenty-five or so paces later, I caught up with him and grabbed him by the back of the neck. He with a skinny leg, but I held and yanked him toward me. A couple of seconds later, the prince and myself and a half a dozen yards of purple cloth were all entangled in the gutter. Unhand me. You're encouraging the anger of the prince. Uh, sure. But let me go. Uh, maybe, after we have some talk. I have nothing to say to one such as you. Uh, we'll see. Come on, now, on your feet. Oh, you have torn my rope. You have torn my illustrious garment. On your feet now. The star shall be angry. They shall avenge the sick noble priest. This afternoon, my bartender went to see you. I do not even know what you're talking about. Uh, maybe you need a little memory refresher, huh? Do not strike me. Why was Chris shot? What did he come to see you about? What do you know about Adelaide Foss? I don't say you don't know anything. But who said I did not know anything? I know all. Prince Rico the Divine knows everything. I read it in the stars. You know, if indeed the world is not round, as some say, but it's truly flat. The sky is an inverted bowl, and the stars are the language of the infinite, telling man of his future. Right, tell me about the past, about Chris and Adelaide. Prince Rico the Divine could give her the answer, but, alas, 
my mouth is sealed. The stars forbid me to speak. Now, some people are liable to think you shot Chris. I can keep no one from thinking as he wishes. I bet a five-pound note would open your mouth. It would indeed. My mouth would open as large as you like, but no word would come out. Chris knew Adelaide Foss. Knew her well, I'd say. I think maybe they went together for a while. I bet you know about that. It is as I have said. I know everything. It costs a lot of money to take out a $40,000 insurance policy. Adelaide was a poor girl. Where'd she get the money? Mm. Why'd she put me down as beneficiary? Mm. Right, Rico, come on. Where are you taking me? Consult the stars, buddy. They'll tell you. I grabbed Prince Rico the Divine by his phony royal neck and shoved him into a cab. Ten minutes later, I dumped him into the lap of Sergeant Greco and asked him to have Sam call me after he had a chance to question Rico. Then I went back to the tambourine and put on a call to the hospital. Chris was still unconscious. I sat out at a table and looked through the insurance papers that Lamphorn Manchak had left for me to sign. A moment later, the door opened and H. Manchak walked in. Ah, good evening, Mr. Jordan. Good evening. Ah, sit down, Mr. Manchak. Thank you, thank you indeed. Jay Lampo sends his respects. He had to go back to Alexandria. Huh? Ah, I see you have the insurance papers in front of you. Good. I have the check from Pyramid. If you will just give me those papers, I shall give you the check. I haven't uh, signed them yet. Are they not in order? Oh, they seem to be all right. Well, what are you waiting for? I don't know. But you understand, Mr. Jordan, I cannot give you the check until you sign. Ah. Uh-huh. My pen, Mr. Jordan. You still do not sign? Perhaps, Mr. Jordan, it would be wise if you and I retired to your private office where we may talk this out more fully. Sure, I'll go for that. Come on. There we are. All right, start talking. Mr. Jordan, it must be apparent to you by this time that there is more to this business than you are aware of, all of which makes it imperative that you sign these papers. I'm afraid you'll have to clear that up. Chris, your bartender, is a friend of yours? Yeah? You are aware that he and Adelaide Foss knew each other quite well. I heard some talk. But I would say that you are not aware of the fact that Adelaide Foss's death was not accidental. You're getting that. I am simply stating a positive fact. Adelaide Foss's death was not accidental. Now, if suddenly the police get a suspicion of that fact and proceed with an investigation, they might learn that Chris was in love with a girl, but she was not in love with him. They might then wonder if he was not responsible for her death. Uh, Get to the point, Manchek. What are you after? This, Mr. Jordan, if you sign these papers. These are perfectly legal papers. Let me impress upon you. I then can turn over to you this check worth $40,000. Go on. Should you then return $20,000 to me personally, I promise to keep certain information pertaining to Adelaide Foss's death from the police. They consider it a closed issue. It will remain so. That makes a pretty sweet deal all the way around. Indeed. You make $20,000. I make $20,000. And Chris's secret remains hidden forever. Me taking that check, you make it sound like the thing to do. It is. My pen. Thanks. First, the insurance papers releasing Pyramid from claim. Huh? Excellent. Here is the check. Thank you. Now, your check to me for $20,000. Well, I don't have that much money in my checking account. Uh, You will. Please endorse your check from Pyramid. Mail it to your bank for deposit tonight, in the morning, 
I shall be at the bank to cash your check to me. You got it all figured out, haven't you? Needs many years of experience in the insurance business. Now, you will endorse the $40,000 check and then write me one for twenty. I did as he said, wrote him a check, scribbled an endorsement on the one from Pyramid and sealed it in an envelope. And Manchek walked me to the mailbox to be sure I dropped it in. After that, he left. But I knew that wasn't the last I was to see of H. Manchek. Before he came back, I had to move fast. The first thing I did was put in a call to Chris to see if he could talk. The doc still said no. Well, if Chris couldn't talk, his belongings could. So I caught a cab, went over to his apartment, started to look around. First the bureau drawers, then the closets. Finally, a small desk standing in the corner. When the bottom drawer failed to come open at a pull, I knew I had something, so I kicked it in. Inside, I found a framed picture of a very skinny, very unhappy girl, Adelaide Foss. Clipped to the back of the picture was a faded piece of yellow paper. It was a short note, but it told a lot of things. Right then and there, I knew I had all the answers to the whole rotten mess. The next morning, I was but ready for H. Manchek. He put in an appearance around 10.45, and he didn't seem too happy. Mr. Jordan. Oh, good morning, Mr. Manchek. This is a surprise. Mr. Jordan, I arrived at the bank this morning and attempted to cash the check for $20,000, which you made out in my favor. I was told there were insufficient funds in your account. Is that so? Would you please tell me how that was possible when I myself saw you deposit $40,000 by mail? I'm going to tell you a lot of things. I don't think you're going to like any of them. Mr. Jordan, are you suggesting that I call the police and tell them of Chris and Adelaide? There's the phone. Call. I thought not. Chris didn't kill Adelaide, Manchek. Her death was not an accident, I assure you. No, but Chris didn't kill her, and I can prove it. But I can prove something else that's going to hit you a little closer. You had a pretty good scheme, Manchek. It went something like this. A lonely girl, should we say, dies. You sit right down, write a $40,000 insurance policy for her, and predate it before her death. You send the policy and the premium payment to your home office. Everything's fine. You wait. A year goes by. Another premium payment is due. The company sends a bill to the girl. No answer. The letter comes back. But it's a big policy, so they investigate and find out the girl's dead. Now there's a claim against the company. Pyramid is a legit outfit, so they investigate some more. They find out I'm the beneficiary. Amphil comes down from Alexandria to pay off the claim. How am I doing? Proceed. After the claim is paid, you move in and try to shake me down for half the money. Uh, uh, Mr. Jordan, may I ask how you intend to prove this? By a piece of faded yellow paper I found in Chris's drawer. It explains why he didn't want me digging into Adelaide's accidental death. It explains how she died. The handwriting will prove that it wasn't Adelaide Foss who took out the insurance policy at all. Because it's not her signature on the policy. And what, Mr. Jordan, is this miraculous piece of paper? A suicide note from Adelaide. I see. May I see this note? Oh, no. I do not believe that such a note exists. You'll be convinced. Sit down. You will not make that I said sit down! That's better. Captain Zabaya speaking. Oh, Rocky, Sam. Come on over to the tambourine, will you? There's someone here who wants to tell you how he tried to fleece the Pyramid Insurance Company. How he threw a bullet into Chris, and how he ended up sitting in my waste paper basket. Is that all he did, Jordan? Well, there are a few more things. Come on over. I'll tell you all about it. 
In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Friends, it isn't every day we can sit down to a tender, juicy steak. With most of us, that's just a once-in-a-while special treat. You homemakers know it's the everyday meals that count. The low-cost foods that come within the average family budget. Preparing such foods in new and interesting ways, giving them a hearty He-Man flavor is easy with Del Monte tomato sauce. It's been tested for flavor by a generation of good cooks. Why, it's almost as much of a staple with them as pepper and salt. For instance, Mrs. Blanche Clove of Los Angeles said, I use lots of plain meat in one-dish meals, lots of big vegetable casseroles, and I just wouldn't know how to make them without Del Monte tomato sauce. The flavor is just right for our taste. It makes any dish zesty and peppy and better-looking, too. Yes, Del Monte tomato sauce has been my standby ever since we came to California 24 years ago. Thank you, Mrs. Clove. Yes, it is easy to make budget dishes popular with Del Monte tomato sauce. Just pour it on and cook it in. Then notice how that rich, spiced tomato flavor perks up those inexpensive foods. Watch your family enjoy every bite. Next time you go shopping, ask for Del Monte. The original tomato sauce. Back now to Rocky Jordan. Well, Sam came over and bundled up Manchek. He was all used up and it figured Sam wouldn't have much trouble making him talk. Sam took him down to the lockup and I said I'd be along soon. First, I stopped off at the hospital to check on Chris... The doctor wouldn't let me stay long, but he said Chris would be all right. So I scooted right back over to Sam's office to brush up some of the details. Sam was rocking back and forth in his squeaky chair, a dossier on H. Manchak in one hand and a pen in the other. Oh, George, and I'm glad you came so promptly. There are still a few questions I would like to ask to make this dossier complete. Oh, shoot, Sam. Oh, first, uh, how is Chris? Seems to be okay. Doc says he'll work it out. Good. A fine young man. Now, Jordan, if you please, would you trace Chris's movement up until the time he was shot? Sure, Sam. When I told him about the insurance policy Adelaide was supposed to have taken out, he knew something was wrong. He went to the insurance company to check. And that is when Manchek became aware that Chris might be one who could spoil his scheme. Yeah, right. Manchek followed Chris to the Elmark's Bazaar when Chris went to talk things over with Prince Rico, who had also known Adelaide and how she died. When Chris left the tent, Manchek cut him down. Mm, I see. Now, about the policy itself, the signature upon it will prove, of course, that it was not Adelaide Park who signed it, but Manchek himself. Now, why did he choose to call you Adelaide's husband? Well, as near as I can figure it out, if the insurance company had to pay a claim to a husband, there wouldn't be much investigation. Why I was picked to be the husband, well, he needed someone who had some association with Adelaide. Yeah. And someone he thought might be willing to shut his eyes and go along with his scheme for the $20,000. Now, one thing more, Jordan. Why was Manchek not able to cash the check you wrote him? Insufficient funds, remember? But the $40,000 check deposited more than covered the $20,000 check Manchek wished to cash. Uh-uh, Sam. The bank wouldn't accept the $40,000 check for deposit. Oh, and why? Because I didn't endorse it right. The name I wrote on the back wasn't mine. It was Adelaide Foss. 
Finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte ketchup and chili sauce, Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes, and Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arump. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. And the story is Pattern for Revenge. <laughs> When it's real corn patch flavor you want, just ask for Del Monte corn, either golden cream style or whole kernel. Yes, if you want rich, melt-in-your-mouth, butter-tender corn, look for Del Monte, the brand that always puts flavor first. Next Sunday, Rocky Jordan will come to you at a new time, one half hour later. Here's the lineup. You will hear Jack Benny, then Amos and Andy, then Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, and then Rocky Jordan. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are on a barren island off the west coast of Mexico. Your only companions, a lovely Indian girl and a half-crazed treasure hunter who have condemned you to die. Listen now as Escape brings you E. Jack Newman's gripping tale of a strange adventure. Gringo. It was afternoon. The dust and the heat and the smell of Selena Cruz were at their best when I walked into the cantina. I ordered bizcocho and coffee and settled down to 
watching the flies and listening to the noises. I hadn't been like that two minutes before the guy in the dirty white suit, the one who'd been standing at the end of the bar, walked over, pulled up a chair. American, huh? Yeah, that's right. Me too. I guess we're the only ones in town. This is an out-of-the-way place even for Mexico, isn't it? It seems to be. Uh, Marshal Rhodes is the name. I'm from Minneapolis. I uh, saw you bring that schooner in this morning. I didn't get your name. Jim Canavan. You, uh, you don't mind if I sit here with you? All right, what's the pitch? No? How could you see me bring in my schooner? There's no window in back of that bar over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I have been hitting it up a little bit lately. Happens sometimes when you get stuck in these places, you know. Yeah, sure, I know all about it. You came here to get away from your wife, study the customs, write a book, and to love the ladies, huh? The party's over now, and your dough's run out. The local government won't let you work, and you're broke. Am I right? Uh, Mr. Canavan, I know we just met, but you're an American, too, and you know this is no place to be broke. All right, mister, we've had our conversation. Huh? Goodbye. You won't give a fellow American a... Sorry, I bothered you. You didn't bother me. Why, you can't... Here, buy yourself a drink and be somebody. I've met your kind too, Mr. Canham. Someday, someplace, you'll get chopped down to the size you really are. Are you gonna do it, Rummy? Be careful in here, Mr. Canham. You're just new. I've got friends... He is right. What? Buenas tardes, Senor Rhodes. How are you? Ramon Chavez. Here, Mr. Rhodes. This is a loan. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Chavez. See you later. What are you, Chavez? Police? No, no, nothing like that. Mr. Rhodes is very deteriorated, true. But his analysis of you seemed most accurate. You have very little humanity about you. Look, Mr. maybe Canavan. I was too tough with Rhodes. Maybe I'm sorry, but I don't want to hear about it from you. I am looking for a bargain with you. Look, friend, your English is pretty good, and I just bet you can talk your way in or out of practically anything. But let me tell you this. Oh, wait. I am here to make a bargain. I am offering you something. You're offering me what? Pleasure, Mr. Canavan? No. Well, what is it? A lost ship? An undiscovered gold mine? All of those things, if you like, and more. Oh, sure. Mr. Canavan, in some respects, we are similar. Still, I had hoped for a more cooperative partner. What are you talking about? I don't even know you. But I know you have a boat. I saw it. And I have heard of you. During your stop in my country, you have accumulated a reputation for bluntness. And you know, I mean what I say, and I'm saying and that you... I mean what I say. Now, be smart and listen. Forty thousand American dollars. Forty thousand American dollars. So long, Chavez. Two nights later, the local town council gave a band concert from the square. I could see part of it and hear most of it from the deck of the Argus. Hello, gringo. What? Oh, hello, Chavez. You left this note for me at the cantina this afternoon? Yeah. I'm aboard. 
I got to thinking about your proposition. Bargain. About your bargain. I thought you would think about it, gringo. Knock off that gringo stuff, huh? I've been around a while. They will always call you gringo. Okay, mister, let's have it. What's the story? You know Kanimba? I've seen it on a map, yeah. South of here. It is my home. I thought this was. No, I have only been here a little while. Mm-hmm. I am a fisherman. One day, when we were far out to sea beyond all of the other boats, I heard a plane droning overhead. Then suddenly, it was edging over the water out of control. It crashed on one of the small islands considerably offshore, barren places for the most part rocks and sand. When we returned to Kanimba, we learned that a Salazar Mining Company plane had been lost at sea. It carried a $40,000 cash payroll. You mean it's still there on that island? Untouched. How do you know it didn't explode and burn? We saw it crash. It just broke up a little. Paper money does not break very easily. Uh Uh-huh. Where is this island, Chavez? <laughs> that is my part of the bargain. Yours is this boat. You said we. Who else is in on this? No one. The man who helped me on my boat was anxious to report what we had seen to the authorities when he learned it was a Salazar mining plane. He thought there would be a reward in it. I killed him. Well, Gringo? <laughs> Where's all that humanity you were talking about? Diego was of a surly nature. I did him a service. All right, what are you trying to hand me? Uh... You're trying to get me to take my boat out and pick up some Chinese you got waiting on one of those islands ready to push in the back door of the United States? Let go of me. I wasn't born yesterday. You can make any one of those islands in a fishing jig. A baby could do it. A baby with a power boat? Let go. I take this from you, gringo. Just for now. What about a powerboat? I attempted it. At first I thought I was a bad seaman because I could not get within a mile of the island. There is a peculiar current there, most unnatural, too strong for a small jig. And the depth is too shallow for a large boat. There is no way to get to that island without a powerboat like this one. Anything else? The English. You didn't learn it in Kanimba. I spent some time in the United States once. And you want to go back, is that it? Where else would I spend that good American money? Can you shove off tonight? Eight o'clock? Yeah. I spent the rest of the day laying in stores and fueling up. I fired the two Mexican boys who'd been working as my crew... And by 8 o'clock, I was ready to shove off. Chavez was right on time. We are all ready, gringo? Yeah. Your wife? Almost. This is Maria. She's saying goodbye? I am saying hello, senor. I'm going with you. I thought no one else knew about this. What is it, a three-way split? I will pay Maria from my share. She's a good sailor. We can use three hands. I didn't figure on a woman being aboard. Well, then, figure on it. Bingo. Come on. Want to get those lines? Sure. Where? 
one of these in Acapulco. Okay. Better that point till we get clear. See, si, I know. You been to the States too? No. I study my English at home. I like very much what I see of the United States. Huh? Oh, in the books and magazines I read. I meet many Americanos in Acapulco. I see how they live. I like to live like that very much. I'm not happy here. Oh, it's fine for some people. For me, not for me, no. Here was an Indian girl done up in one of those outfits with 80 different colors in them. But it was easy to imagine her in New York, walking out of Saks Fifth Avenue wearing plenty of class. It was plenty easy. She was the reason Chavez had to take me in my boat. He had a sure thing with that wrecked plane sitting on the island. It could wait, but he didn't have a sure thing with her. She wasn't the type who would wait for anybody. Jim? What? Why you look? Pretty nice. The English? You. You glad I come? Baby, I wouldn't have had you miss this trip for the world. Everything okay, gringo? Yeah, sure. Everything's fine. Good. But remember, gringo, Maria is not part of our bargain. We will return to Escape and tonight's story, Gringo, in just a moment. How would you feel if you found yourself a lone survivor after an atom bombing, with the possibility of death lurking in everything you touched? Hear Richard Widmark in just such a situation on Suspense. That's tomorrow night in most of these same CBS radio stations. Richard Widmark in How Long is the Night on Suspense. And now, back to Escape. <laughs> Once we cleared the harbor, we cut the engines and hauled up the canvas. And we used sail most of the trip to save fuel. That's why it took us three days to get to those islands. But we were lucky. The weather was good and the sea was calm. Both Maria and Chavez knew their way around the schooner, so we took turns standing watch. I liked it best when Chavez was at the wheel. <laughs> you are very funny, Jim. Sure. Look, Maria, hmm? when this is all over with, what happens, huh? Oh, Ramon and I be married and go to live in the United States. Oh? Well, you may have to wait a long time. I know some people who've waited around those border towns seven, eight years. That's a long time, baby. I tell you once, I want to live in the United States. I will. And he's going to have $20,000 pretty soon. Is that it? No, live like a peasant in the United States. Find clothes, place to live. 
Like in the book. Uh-huh. Uh, suppose I took you. You? Yeah, sure, me. Once this is over, I can get you in right away, Maria. No waiting. You mean this? Sure, baby. Come here. No. No. Come here. <laughs> now, how about it? You know, like me that way, Jim. It's because you hate him. I can see this. Suppose he went around. What do you mean? What do you think I mean? We have all the money, eh? Why, you little... D- <laughs> You've been thinking about it all this time, haven't you? Gringo! Maria! We are here! There it is! Huh? Come on, Maria. Yeah. There! Over there! Beyond that point! Yeah, let me have those glasses. The middle one. See it? Yeah. Yeah, I can make it out Okay. Hey. What? The plane. It's right there. 200 yards off the beach. Nothing around it. What? I tell you, Gringo is there waiting for us. (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. Get those engines going. What do you think, Gringo? I don't know. We're using a lot of fuel. We're making headway, but I don't like this current. Never saw anything like it before. It becomes stronger as you come toward the island, but it bears off to the left there. We could try it from the other side. Now it'll take four days to walk across those rocks. No thanks. We'll get in if we... What's that? Over there, Luke! Holy... What is it? The world gone crazy! No. No. Something under the water is trying to get up. A, a volcano? Yeah. I saw one down in Tahiti once, just breaking through. No wonder there's a current here. How long does it take, Rico? 20,000 years. About 20 minutes. Can we get to the island? We can't if we don't get blown up. Maria. Pigeon. Head us straight in now. By four in the afternoon, whatever was going on under the water seemed to slack off a little bit. At least there weren't any more explosions. We were a hundred yards offshore when we dropped anchor in about 15 feet of water. We lowered the dinghy and a few minutes later beached it through the surf. Poor Gringo, they are beat. Yeah. I watch the boat. There she is. $40,000, Gringo. Must be in the compartment. Sure. Give me a hand, will you? Here. Okay. Yeah. That's stuck. Uh, can you get your fingers under the bottom from there? I'll try. See. All, all right, I'll pry from here. Harder. Harder. Is it there, Gringo? Yeah. It's here, all right. Here, catch. Locked. 
Uh, wait a minute. Here's, here's my knife. Good. It is all here. I told you it was a treasure. Yeah. Yeah, we better get out of this place. Looks like it might blow up. It is. And you are going to be with it. Goodbye, gringo. You can keep the knife. Bad, Jim. Dick, do not move. He left you too, huh? He hit me down. And he took the dinghy and went out to the Argus. He's gone. He tells me we enjoy each other better if we're alone. That isn't going to help. You died, Jim? Not if I can help it. That must be a first aid kit in that plane somewhere. The cabin of the freight compartment. It'll have a red cross on it. See, I understand. Well, go get it. And let's get this thing out of me. It is better now, Jim? Yeah. That knife must have bounced off a rib... I'd be dead now. What? What happened to us now, Jim? Yeah, we got to get help. Make flares, signals. Maybe we... Yeah, radio. That plane must have a radio in it. Here, here help me up, will you? Jim, you walk? I walk or I lie here and die. Come on. Come on. Oh, be careful. The speech you're making. It's not too good. Now, get me over to that plane. trying the same thing we want to do. Uh, all the tubes are busted. And him? He's no good either, baby. Who was this? Probably the pilot. He sat here and starved to death trying to work that busted radio. After that, we didn't talk much. We both knew we were going to wind up just like that pilot. That first day, I just stretched out on the sand and dozed off. Maria sat with her back to a rock looking out to sea. Every now and then, some water would boil up offshore. And we'd hear those rumblings. That night, she built a fire. And we sat there and looked at each other over the flames. All my life I dream. I tell myself, someday you go to America with a fine, handsome husband and live there. We're pretty close. Oh, I want this very much. Maria, I'm sorry I got you into this. What? I... I wanted you because you belong to him. No other reason. See, it's been this way all my life. I... I take. I won't let any other man be better than me. See? 
they're all better now. You know, a few days ago, a bum on the beach, a guy without anything, told me that I'd get chopped down to size someday. Well, he was right. I'm down to size now. Jim, I... I, too, have been this way all my life. I know what you feel now. We are the same kind. Yeah. Maria? Yeah? I'd really take you to the States. I'd, I'd buy you the best clothes they had on Fifth Avenue. I'd be proud to walk in any place with you and, and say you were my wife. You love me? That's what they call it, I guess. Jim. I love to. Oh, my God. It's a good feeling, isn't it, baby? Oh, see, The world explodes around us and we surely die, but we help each other, Jim. Isn't that so bad, then? No, Maria. Sun's getting hot. Oh, oh see, si. very hot. The noise. What? The noise is a stop. Uh, hey, you're right. Maybe that old volcano decided to stay under the water after. Maria, look, it's the Argus. Jim. <laughs> She's stuck in the sand right off the beach. Chavez came back for us, but Maria. The current? How could she? Oh, who knows. The volcano's quiet, the sea's calm. Come on. You know, I may walk you up Fifth Avenue yet. Don't ask me how we got across that beach and waded out to the Argus. I don't know myself. Except that Maria had to half carry me and push me, but we did get aboard. All the sails were furled against the main. The main flapped loosely. The heavy boom free to swing. Ramon! Ramon! Jim, he's not here. He did not come back for us. No. Schooner drifted in alone. Beached us. Jim, look! What? The man inside to... Oh, it's all here. But where is Ramon? Well, maybe when he tried to handle the mainsail alone, he got knocked overboard. We'll never know, poor devil. All right, Maria, go up forward and start the engines. We're heading for the mainland. By the time we anchored the Argus and the bay at Selena Cruz, Maria was more like her old self, fiery and independent the way she was when she first came aboard with Chavez and as beautiful as ever. She bundled me off to the hospital and left me there while she went to return the money to the Salazar mining people. Two weeks later, I was on my feet again, and the first afternoon out found me back at the cantina, where it had all begun. <coughs> Pardon me, I see you're an American, and not many Americans come down here to... Hello, Rhodes. Oh, I, I didn't recognize you from the back, Mr. Kahneman. Why don't you sit down? 
What? Sit down. Well, thank you, Mr. Canavan. Pour yourself a drink. You've changed, Mr. Canavan. Yeah, I know. I've been in a hospital for two weeks, Rose. Yes, I heard. Man can do a lot of thinking in two weeks. Mr. Canavan, I, I, I didn't want to be the one, but she insisted, and I... What are you talking about? Maria, she gave me a message for you. Oh. She said to... Wait a minute, that... Rhodes. I think I know what it is. I haven't seen Maria since she dumped me in the hospital two weeks ago. Yeah. She never got to the Salazar mining people, did she? No. No, she didn't, Mr. Cannon. She took the 40000 and left, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> well, then, here's to Maria. And you know something, Rhodes? I'll bet she looks great walking down Fifth Avenue alone. What? What do you mean? <laughs> never mind, Rhodes. It's just that Maria hasn't changed a bit. She'll never change. Oh. But I have. You see, I've been cut down to size, Rhodes. You remember? It's your bottle. Finish it. Good luck to you. Uh, where are you going, Mr. Canavan? Oh, on south, maybe. But I'm traveling light, Rhodes, real light. And you know what? I think I'm going to like it. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you Gringo by E. Jack Newman, starring William Conrad. Featured in the cast were Edgar Berry as Chavez, Lillian Bayef as Maria, and Parley Bear as Rhodes. Editorial supervision is by John Meston, and the special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... You are adrift in a native canoe somewhere off the Solomon Islands. Ahead of you lie the unknown terrors of native savagery. And closing in on you is a white man whose gunboat will smash you to the bottom of the sea. So listen next week when Escape brings you John Russell's classic story, The Price of the Head. Remember, only once during the year, the United Red Feather Campaigns of America appeal to the public for support. Red Feather Dollars fight illness, fight delinquency, fight unhappiness, fight human need. So this year, be as generous as you can. Roy Rowan speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network.